Hello, everyone. Again, this is Ethan Shapiro, the climate change realtor with Coldwell Banker, founder and manager of the most innovative real estate sales company, back for another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. I am very excited to have my guest, Miss Kelsey Grant. She is a senior at the University of Colorado Boulder, studying both political science and my personal favorite, philosophy. She's a longtime volunteer for the Citizens Climate Lobby, where she currently works part-time as a conservative fellow. So Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. Great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're so very welcome. I'm really, as I said in the last couple episodes, I'm really starting to enjoy this show. And um, yeah, so we'd just love to start the show by getting some background on you and who you are. And yeah, just that. Great. Well, you know, like, like, like you said, I'm a senior at CU Boulder. I have been Exactly, exactly. And I've, I've been with um, CCL since um, January 2019. I actually um, got started in climate and environmental issues um, during my time as Sunday school teacher. So I, I'm, a, I'm a church girl, you know, I was, I, was, I was making environmental ministries at my church and talking about environmental stewardship, my capacity as a Sunday school teacher. And that was where I really caught my passion for um, climate action. And my uh, church was actually partner with CCL. And that was how I really got my foot in the door. I just showed up to a meeting. Um, a week later, they tasked me with starting um, a chapter at CU Boulder which I did. And then that was really the start to a long journey in uh, becoming um, a co-leader of the Boulder chapter. I ended up being um, a higher education regional fellow where I would mentor um, students throughout the region. And then I ended up as a conservative fellow, which I'm doing right now. And I'm on our conservative caucus um, executive team. So that, that's kind of the, the rundown of the last nearly two years, um, but it's, it's been a ride and it's been great. Beautiful. But yeah, thanks for that. It was the church that you worked at in Boulder? No, it was in Denver. So I, I'm a, I'm a church hopper. Um, I, I, I go to a church in Denver and also in Boulder. But the one I found about CCL was in, in Denver. Cool. So had, uh, first of all, thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it. I think anyone who does volunteers their time or works with the church, just fostering community and doing stuff for other people is great. But um, how, how did you get into uh, political science and philosophy? Have you always been interested in just the way the world works or the deep questions of life? You know, I, I went into college wanting actually to be a pediatrician. Um, I was, I, I wanted to, you know, lead a career in some kind of care profession. I just wanted to help people. And I thought that being a pediatrician or a doctor was the best way to do that. And then, you know, my sister went into nursing school and I, and I just realized that that really didn't fit me um, in how I could best serve the world and my community given my own natural talents and inabilities. And um, I thought law school would be the best avenue for me to help people. And that's why the, the natural fit for an undergraduate degree is political science. I was actually a political science and English major. I switched English to philosophy because philosophy was so difficult for me. And it's still incredibly difficult for me, but it, I, I love the intellectual um, challenge. It keeps me on my toes. What's, what do you find difficult about it? Is it the logic? Is it the density of the topics? Or is it the lack of answers? All of it. You know, there's a, there's a joke. Uh, they say all it takes is, is one philosophy course to really screw your brain up. And, and I, I, understand what, I understand what they mean by that. Um, it, it just, 
there's so many questions. And, and like you said, there's a lack of answers and I like certainty. And when you're in philosophy, you don't get that. So it really goes against my, my own instincts and what I like um, intellectually, um, but it's just so complex um, in so many ways. The logic is difficult, um, but it, it's, it, it never stops me from thinking. Um, and, and I enjoy that. Well, thinking is great. Uh, speaking of thinking, <laughs> have you had uh, a Jume Wingo or Nor Alistair Norcross or Matt Pike? Any of these guys ring a bell? Uh, no, I, nope. I, I, I keep ending up with like ancient philosophers and it's typical American. Did philosophers. you have Don Bailey? I, I sure did. Yes. I love Don Bailey. Yeah. He's a, he's a great Everyone guy. Everyone loves him. <laughs> yeah. Well, you took him, you took ancient philosophy. I did take ancient philosophy. So you studied him. Plato in his class, right? I did. Yes. He has a, his own take on Plato compared to the, the other um, course. It's very hard for me to wrap my head around that, but he, he's a fantastic instructor. Yeah. It, it's hard to wrap your head around anything. He, what I really learned in that class is, is showing you how much content can be in just a few passages. Like you don't understand how much meaning is behind. Like we've been studying the Republic. What is it? Is it for many? Is it millennia yet? Or is it since just centuries? Is it how many? How old is the the Republic? I think it's a few thousand years old. I have no idea. No worries. <laughs> I, we, I we both, obviously, we both didn't <laughs> didn't pay enough attention. But yeah, can't teach us those details. It doesn't matter. No worries. <laughs> cool. Well, I love philosophy. I'm sure yeah. we'll, we'll get into it a little bit on on the show. But um, yeah. Would you want to explain what a citizens' climate lobby is and how you got interested in it? Absolutely. Um, so uh, CCL is it's an international nonprofit organization that in a nutshell works towards um, uh, really uh, catapulting uh, federal uh, climate legislation into the national um, spotlight. So we're international. We're largely based in, in the United States. We have about 200,000 um, members, about 600 chapters. Um, and, and like I said, they're, they're across the globe. Um, right now, our main focus is on um, building uh, political and public support in our communities for a single bill in Congress, which is uh, the bill that um, it's a carbon pricing bill in Congress that has the most co-sponsors of any carbon Very pricing cool. bill right now. Yes, and it also has bipartisan support. So it's called the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act or HR 763. And in a nutshell, what, what, what this bill would do is it would place a price on carbon. So it, it places a, a tax on fossil fuels at the source of extraction. And it takes this money and, and it re, they, we redistribute it back to American people. So it offsets the regressiveness and also addresses a few um, political issues that come along with, you know, in, implementing a, a tax. But it also has an international component that incentivizes other countries to reduce their emissions. Because while it, it's, it'd be significant for the United States to reduce our emissions, that's incredibly important. This is a global problem and, and we need to have an international component and, and, and effective um, climate solution. Um, but our goal is to build um, political support for this um, within our community. So we focus on empowering the, the individual and, and making sure each person that comes to our doors is, is given the opportunity to really enhance their own natural skills to make them the most effective advocate they, that they can be. And another really important part about CCL is that we are nonpartisan. We're, we take that very seriously. We work with everybody and anybody. We, we work with Republicans and Democrats, no matter who you are. Um, and, and, and CCL makes us unique from other environmental groups is that we kind of we maneuver this middle area in the climate world and that, that's just so crucial because for a long-lasting climate solution we need bipartisan support so that's what we do well that sounds amazing uh i am curious when you say 
um, the bill, it takes funds or it poses some kind of fee on using carbon, which I think is great. But then you mentioned that it redistribute, redistributes that money to, to where exactly and how is that determined? If you know. Yes. So, so it's taking a step back. So yeah, we, we put a tax on fossil fuel source extraction. We generate a ton of revenue and now we have a huge problem. It's regressive. Energy prices went up and now the government has a huge pot of money, which gives conservatives heartburn. So our solution to the problem is we, we give it back to the American people through a monthly dividend. And they're, 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 those um, dividends are not equal on, um, they, they are equal and they're not dependent on income. So it's not wealth um, distribution, redistribution or anything like that. Um, but what this dividend does is it offsets that regressive regressiveness. So about 60% of um, low middle class Americans would be made financially better off with this um, carbon fee and dividend than without. Um, so it goes directly back to consumers. Okay. Wow. That, that's a lot for me, for me to take in right there. That's, that's extremely interesting. And this has support from lots of different po- politicians, I suppose. How long have you guys been working on getting this passed? So CCL, um, so carbon pricing itself has been around for some time using that as a mechanism for environmental problems. It's it's not a new concept. Milton Friedman spoke about it. Um, this particular bill, we, we, I, I can't remember past like a, a few years ago, there was a bill in the last session that was very similar to this one. And it was reintroduced in this, um, session, but we've been focusing on, on carbon fee and dividends for, um, I think like the last decade, um, you know, you, you were, you're talking about like the support from politicians. So I, I will say there is a broad coalition of support for this, um, policy framework from the far right, um, to the far, you know, to the far left. Um, last year, 3,500 economists signed a statement in support of revenue neutral carbon pricing saying it is the most cost effective solution to reducing our emissions. And this comes from economists on, on the right and on the left. How is it different from a carbon tax? Well, it is a carbon tax. What really, um, it is a carbon tax. That's how it goes into the the tax code. Uh, What really gets interesting is, you know, how people, what they do with the money. So if you want just like a basic carbon tax, what happens is you just, you put a a price on, on, um, carbon and and energy prices go up and that consumers like myself and you have to bear that cost but what this one does is it has an additional mechanism that solves that problem so consumers do not have to face rising energy um uh, costs or a regressive kind of policy and it get, will gain support because people will get more money back in their pocket that's so smart exactly yeah. so for about six if it's for about 60 percent of americans would um would have more money coming in than they would be losing due to higher energy prices. How, how is that like calculated? How is it calculated? How do they, how do you know like 60% because like certain people use more energy so they'd have to pay more. So it would cost them more. Whereas some certain people use less, something like that. It's so, so for, so, so take a, take a step back. So low, um, low income folks actually spend more on energy in proportion to their income compared yeah. to uh, wealthier folks. Um, but how, you know, how this is distributed 
you know, since, you know, we're, we're placing the, the, the tax everywhere and we're dividing it up into equal um, sums, how it just, it, it does end up, you know, lower income because of, it's more of like an absolute number, you divide it and then lower, um, low middle class folks end up having more. So they, they spend, they spend less on energy in absolute terms. And when, when, when you couple that with, um, you know, a, a, a dividend that is in equal lump shares, it does work out in that way. Where, where they have more money coming in than they actually spend. I don't know if that makes sense. I can no, it provide does. No, studies it, it, later. It, of course, yeah, no, no, it does make sense. That's really cool. So I've been like slowly or starting to ramp up a little bit, reaching out to all these different organizations. And I'm like really looking for, I'm such a pragmatic person. I just want A, then B, then C, but like life's not like that. But I, yeah, I'm curious. So, so are, are you involved with any other like climate change organizations at all? I, so, so I, I, CCL is close, you know, friends with a lot of organizations, which um, I'm I'm, sure they're they're all, we're all working for the same thing. We are all working. That's, that's such a valuable reminder because there are divisions within the environmental and climate. And what's, what's interesting is in politics as well, or just in life, it's, it's funny how the, um, the people you usually hate the most are the ones who have the same goal as you, but are going about it a different way. And I think that's so silly. Um, it, yeah, it I, is very silly. I, I, yeah. I would, I would agree. Um, there, there are different groups in the environmental space. They all have their, their own strategies for addressing this issue. And, and they're all kind of, they're all getting at the, the problem in a different way and at a different angle. And we're working towards the same goal, but what, What's so self-destructive is when we start saying that person has the wrong strategy because it's not our own. Um, and, and that's quite detrimental. We're all on the same team. We're working towards the same goal. Um, so get back to like your original question. Other groups I work closely with are like uh, Republic EN. Um, so it's a Republican group who's founded by Bob Lee Inglis, a former Republican congressman. And they work towards eagerly empowering and activating the conservative voice in, in the climate space. I also work closely with Students for Carbon Dividends, Young Conservatives for Carbon Dividends. Um, I have lots of peers and friends who are in more progressive groups like, you know, Sunrise. Um, I, I personally haven't worked with them, but um, I, um, I'm, I'm in close contact with those folks when I have good relationships on the, on the right and the left. Um, and also um, Climate Leadership Council. Cool. So is what attracted you to CCL the more political focus because it's related to like what you're studying with your degree? Or do you, do you think that a top-down approach is more effective to solving this, basically this, I don't know if the word is insurmountable or surmountable or huge problem we're dealing with, which is we're addicted to dirty energy. <laughs> well, I, well, I will say it, it is dirty energy, but it's also good energy. Fossil fuels have been, have done so much for us. It's changed the world. Really, it's, 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 it's catapulted us in the right direction of human development and flourishing. And we always want to remember that. Um, so like what, what brought me to CCL was you kind of got on, on a few of them. One was it was politically oriented. I loved politics. Well, it's, it's a love hate relationship. Um, it also works exactly um especially in this day and age um it also works towards effective solutions so yes there's a there's a there's a um there are two different kind of approaches to well there's several approaches to climate change but in a nutshell sure you can focus on like individual choices and things that you do in your individual life to reducing your own carbon footprint which are incredibly important and i want to applaud anybody who are 
um, trying to take steps in that direction. Um, but another really important element, and I think this is the most crucial, is you know wide, like large scale policy and structural change um, in, in our policies. Um, and that's what CCL works on. So, so we work at the federal level with, with policy. Um, and, and that's just crucial for driving down our missions. It, it's unfortunate that individual actions just aren't enough. Um, it's a part mm -hmm. of the solution, but it, it's inadequate. Um, and so that also brought me to CCL. They're serious about solutions and combating the problem. But another thing is, and this is more of a personal note, is, you know, I started in the climate space as, you know, a Christian. And, um, you know, my, um, my faith teaches me, you know, you love your enemies, you, you, you should be loving towards anybody. And that's very hard when you're engaging in the political space. But what CCL does, and it's, it's rather, you know, radical, is they try their hardest. And I think, they have many cases of success. They try to put conservatives and progressives in the same space and they teach each other how to see the good in one another, how to work together side by side towards the same goal. And that really seemed to resonate with some of my most fundamental values. Um, and, and that was really the biggest sticking point for me in terms of joining CCL. That's amazing. And that's the kind of thing I'd really love to support. And I'm, thank you so much for coming on the show and saying something like that. Because I think it, it's... It's more pivotal now than, than any other time. It seems like the country is extremely divided. And I think we always, we're just a nation of people who love to argue and think that we're right and better than, than others. But I, I think that over time, you know, the truth rings out. I like to say that. But yeah, great thing about this podcast format is you can get someone and just really just just talk like I, I really believe, like, like you said, putting, putting a conservative and a progressive whatever in the same room it's like I, passion is good, but like just willingness to just listen, just like you can completely disagree with the other person. I'm, and I'm lucky that I've had friends from all over the world. I have friends from Africa, Australia, Europe, conservative, liberal, Republican, all over the place. And it just, I'm so much happier and healthier and wiser because I just give people a chance to just be who they are and say what they want to say. And I think that's, that's so valuable. So to uh, transition a little bit that. into what, yeah, I mean, it's, I think our, our generation will, will take care of everything and then there'll be problems that we cause that our kids will have to take care of. But exactly. <laughs> we have blind spots. I think my generation needs to remember that. I think too many young folks uh, are acting in a very morally righteous Mm. way. And I, I think my generation, anybody really um, could use a dose of humility one, one, here and there. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. You, you talked about the importance of listening. And that's what we, we do in CCL, not only for, you know, the, the there, there's just a, a moral value to getting along with people, but it's also absolutely necessary. So bipartisanship for CCL is a strategy. Um, it, is not, it is not a winning strategy to have a Democrat-only bill and then say we're, we're to cram something through a, a Congress, say after a blue wave, and say that we're done. That's not how it's going to work. You actually need a bipartisan solution because that's the only one that's going to last um, for years to come and climate change last. is a long problem. That's the key, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you want to talk about your work as a conservative fellow, how, what you do as far as outreach and how it compares to what you were doing previously with the organization? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so in a nutshell, you know, the role of a conservative fellow. So we have a, a small team of conservative fellows um, and our, our positions and roles are kind of individualized. And you kind of get to choose what you want to do, which is a really great thing Volunteer, about our program. Right. Completely. No, so for the for the fellows, we're actually we receive a stipend. 
um, okay, from the organization. Um, no, no, that's fine. Um, but a lot of our work is still, um, you know, on a volunteer basis, or at least that, that's how it works out for me. Um, so in, in a nutshell, a, a conservative fellow is, is there to recruit and maintain our conservative membership, but also, and this is most important, is to activate our conservative membership. So, so um, providing conservatives a space. So, so we, we, we actively work towards carving out a space for conservatives in CCL who are passionate about the climate cause and provide them an avenue to be actively um, engaged. Um, so like I said, the roles can be very individual. It, it depends on who, what fellow you are. For me, and I, I can speak only for my own role, what I've been doing is I, in um, January, I launched a campaign in Colorado to get a carbon theme dividend resolution passed in the Colorado legislature. And we have been working with a Democrat and a Republican who have agreed to be our lead sponsors for this resolution and um, our lobbying efforts, which has involved um, a team of young conservatives in Colorado. We've been actively um, building relationships and working with and lobbying um, more than I can count um, Republicans in, in, the, in the Colorado legislature. And that's really been the focus of, of my work is really trying to push this resolution, hopefully across the finish line in, in the next um, session. But in, in addition to that, you know, smaller tasks um, is like coming onto podcasts like this, which is one of my favorite things. Um, getting to meet wonderful folks like yourself, um, getting to write op eds, <laughs> getting to write op eds in letters to the editor, giving presentations to local Republicans groups. Um, that's what it's looked like for me. Um, but it really does, it, it does vary. Yeah. What are some challenges you face as far as talking to conservatives or, or interesting stories you've encountered over the last year or so? I, I have had conservative outreach has, this, has its own challenges, just like progressive outreach does. I mean, I mean, just taking a, a step back when, when you're a conservative, fellow, you know, your goal is to build trust and relationships with other conservatives in your community. But at the same time, you're also um, fighting uphill battle be because of the, the political context that we're, we're working in. So, so climate is obviously seen as a democratic issue. And my job is to convince people um, that there were not to convince them, but to show them that there is a place for conservatives in the climate space. How did it and get like that? I've been asking myself where um, it, it, it's, it's, it blows my mind because Was it Nixon the first? Yeah. Exactly. Conservatives have a, a phenomenal um, legacy of environmental um, leadership. So like um, President Grant established the first national park, which Teddy Roosevelt later said, um, you know, set the model for all other national parks. Um, um, uh, Reagan, saying the Mo Reagan signed the Montreal um, Protocol. Um, Bush Sr. used market-based solutions to, to address um, air pollutants. Um, you know, conservation environmentalism has been a, a conservative value and an issue of the Republican Party for a long time. And it did seem to flip. And I haven't quite understood that, that where that happened. I do know something interesting happened when, when Al Gore became a more prominent um, mm. politician, you, you'd hear Republicans say, if, if Al, this one uh, Republican, I don't even remember his name, but he was reflecting on his time serving um, with Al Gore. 
And he said, you know, if, if he, if Al Gore said something, Republicans would want to do the opposite. Um, and I think that problem also uh, trickled into the climate problem. I'm not attributing a polar polarization on the climate issue to Al Gore. That's, mm -hmm. it's such a complex issue and that would be a, a gross oversimplification of it. Um, but yeah, there, there's, I don't know where that flip happened. Um, and, and honestly, I would like to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, that, that would be good. So as far as, as challenges, are you, do you find that most people in your age, so I take it you speak to a lot of young conservatives, right? I do. Do you find that most people in our age bracket are still fighting this, this reality or do, or do they, uh, do you hear, do you hear a lot of climate denial in our age group or is kind of most everybody just accept it what, what it is? No, what, what is so interesting and, and like you can, Pew Research has, has um, uh, really highlighted this trend that um, young Republicans and conservatives are, are, are young, young Republicans and young Democrats are nearly identical on attitudes about the climate issue and, and the degree of urgency. Now, it, it might be it might, um, where they might diverge is, you know, on the solutions to the problem, Naturally. which is a fine, fine discussion to have as long as we agree there's a problem. But yeah, so a, a majority of, of millennial and younger um, conservatives care about the climate issue. And they also think that the government government needs to be doing something about it. Another great organization to look at is um, ACC, the American Conservation Coalition. It's led by um, young Republicans who um, are, are passionate about the climate issue and they're trying to get something done. And it's, it's just um, uh, phenomenal. So the, the conservatives who I come across in my age group, uh, they want to see something done. They are hungry for a GOP strategy. Um, you know, like I, I'm um, like uh, I often talk to other like um, college Republicans at, C at CU Boulder and you know they'll often say you know sometimes progressive peers will come up to them and say like what, what's the Republican Party doing about climate change and they often don't have any ammunition in response to a question like that. That sounds and quite think, combative also. Yeah uh, that's politics. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, but they're, they're hungry for, for um, a comprehensive uh, uh, GOP platform on climate. Right. So um, ha what is the strategy for getting the youth involved as far as CCL is concerned? Or do they want people to go and lobby the government or do you guys? Yeah, I don't know. I'll let you, I'll let you take that away. Yeah. Um, I love the question <laughs> about how to in engage our youth. So when we think about climate change and how youth are being invo involved in the problem, we think about, you know, like Greta Thun um, Thunberg or, you know, climate strikes and things like that. And that's a wonderful form of um, engagement. I applaud um, young folks and people of all ages for trying to get out there and to do something about the issue. Um, what I would like to do is I would like to get those kids off the streets and get them into uh, lobby meetings. Um, mm. You know, it, is, it does not surprise me. You know, when I was as a re working as a regional fellow and overseeing the higher education outreach and working with college students, a common attitude I would um, encounter among young people is that they, they just hate politics. They hate our political institutions. Uh, they feel like this democracy isn't their own. And, and to a large extent, a lot of them have just given up hope. Um, and they don't want to have anything to do with lobbying or politicians unless it's like yelling at them. And so what we like to do at SCCL is, is we like to empower you know, young people to teach them how to use uh, uh, the, the tools and their own skills to build relationships with their lawmakers and to push us in the right direction. Um, I would love to just see 
uh, young people in the halls of, of Congress and, instead of in the streets. Of course, there's a, there's a place for public demonstrations like that. Yes, mm -hmm. there, there's a place for those kinds of, of public demonstrations. Um, but young people need to know that th their voices are listened to when they go into these lobby meetings. Um, politicians know that the young people, our voters are gonna be sticking around for a long time. We're also the, the largest voting block. We have tremendous political power. We just need to, to learn how to use that political power in a more effective way. And I, and I don't think striking is always the most effective way. I think it's playing a part. And I have, I have to thank Greta and climate strikers. Um, you have to thank them for what, what they've done. Um, um, but I, I would love to see some movement into um, the, the lobbying space, because that's also where you learn about policy. Um, you have to be very thoughtful um, about what you're doing. And, and um, I think we'd all benefit from it. All right. So I'll, I'll just throw this. What, what is lobbying exactly? Uh, I had a conversation with um, my thesis advisor about this yesterday, and we, we were wrestling with the question, what, what is lobbying? Um, lobbying is not just, you know, giving co money contributions, and that's not really CCL's way. Um, lobbying is essentially just relationship building, hmm. and it can take uh, many forms. Um, I mean, like, uh, well, let's say, for example, fossil fuel companies, they know that lobbying is not just money. It's also relationship building. It's calling people up. It, it's checking in on people, forming um, uh, relationships founded on respect and trust. And in and, and, and CCL, that, that's what we do. We, Citizens Climate Lobby. Lobby. And, and that it's, it's about forming uh, relationships that are founded on respect with our politicians. Uh, and from those relationships, you can really begin to move people in the right direction. I say like lot you, when you, you lobby your politicians, but you also lobby people in your communities. And lobbying um, also goes beyond just sitting in the room with your politician. It also um, is, is but primarily involves building um, support back home in your community and then um, going back to your political office saying, hey, this is a progress we've made. These are the number of endorsements, number of petition signatures or something like that that we, we've, um, we've earned in your district. Um, but it all comes down to respectful relationship building. And we actually um, have a rule in CCL. We say if you cannot walk into um, a politician's office and um, feel overwhelmingly thankful for their service to our country, um, then if you can't do that, then don't be in there. Uh, go to a different office, but you need to be able to address each uh, politician and public leader with, with respect and gratitude. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, everyone's just playing their part in the world, trying to do their best, providing a service, whatever they've been kind of herded into or chose their own path, whatever it may be. Something I think people don't realize is the true power of your voice, especially as Americans, we are so influential on the world stage. Every single American has such power. And what's you know becoming more and more apparent to me, what's so easy to see is most people don't use their voice. Like when one person comments on like one of my videos, like I'm just getting started here with my business, like that touches me. And when I like reach out and make videos for people and someone's like becomes inspired. It's, it's amazing how like 90% of people will not um, re-engage with someone like they'll like most people don't comment on videos and don't, I'm trying, I have a thought I'm, I'm going with here. It's just, if you do take action and use your voice, you will have an impact, whether it's half a percent, 1% or 20%. If you really believe in what you want to put out into the world, 
then just go out there and do it. You know, like what you're doing, like you're making huge strides. Like, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for doing everything you're doing for climate change. Thank you for um, finding what you, what you want to do in life and believing in yourself. And just even though you're in this crazy environment that everyone has this huge negative conception of, right? You're still like, this is what I'm interested in. I want to help people. I want to make a difference. And you're using you and your voice and it is powerful. And I think people really, really underestimate the power that one person can truly have on the world. That's just what I think. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think most people want to use their voices. I think a lot of people are agitated by the problems going on in this world. They think and it I won't think work. They think it won't work. And that is... I resonate with that. You know, I often wonder, am I being effective? And to a large extent, I have no idea. Um, so I try to be humble. But, you know, the thing about CCL is, you know, for folks who are uncertain about, about how to effectively use their voice, what CCL does so well is that we will look at your unique, uh, your innate talents and abilities and skills and we will teach you how to make the most of those just you as your individual you everyone has something to bring to the table and we'll teach you how to make the most of it um and that's what i love about ccl we're all we we, we take ordinary folks and, and we transform them into incredibly effective and impactful um citizens i mean we we have we have students who who will enter ccl not knowing anything about climate change and now some of them are working in congress actually um in in, in um in offices on climate and energy because CCL trains their, their volunteers so well um, and really empowers them. Um, so, so yes, I mean, we not only need to find our voice, but we need to learn how to do it effectively. And there are more effective ways um, to use your voice than others. Yeah. So as, as far as the situation we're in now, I don't know if it's legitimate or it's just like constructed, but it seems like if you're on one team, you hate the other team. If you're on the other team, you hate the other. Is, is this the reality of the situation or are we all similar? I, I just, I don't, I don't know how to, how to feel about it anymore because it seems like it's like, oh, there's no good people if you are, you know, the opposite political stance for me. But at the end of the day, I think everyone's just searching for a happy, healthy life, like filled with love, whether they want to admit it or not. I'm, you know, I'm a, a bigger loud mouth than most people. I'll say like life is about love. You know, people don't, don't like to say stuff like that, but it's, it's true. And everyone's looking for that. So I, it just seems like some way for us all to just get it figured out and taken care of. I don't know. Um, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, in a, in a way that actually that really does touch my heart. I, I've said this on another podcast, and I stole this from another uh, CCL volunteer, but he would say nobody wakes up in the morning uh, wanting to ruin this planet. Um, if if you're look, American politics is uh, defined by tribalism. We get very stuck in the mindset that the person on our team is just a horrible person. And, and if you were convinced, say, say you're a progressive and you're convinced that all conservatives are bad, you, you're condemning half of the country. And there's a good chance that, that a statement that, that's that extreme and broad is going to be wrong. And that's a really important you know, realization to take a step in the right direction. Have you, has that person sat down with a conservative person, not on Eva podcast, just sit down in a room and just talk to a human being and see if you think they're the evil, malicious person you really have this idea of. Because most people are just getting up, living their life, doing their thing, trying to be better, trying to love their family. 
like that's that's all we really are and it's like it just it seems like constructed to me like that we're this this the other side is so different and evil is just it just doesn't seem legitimate i don't know i i i agree i to to say that such a large group of people is just bad uh, i'll never be sold on something like that but it, it, it's so unfortunate that so many of us have become convinced that that is true um and it's really really difficult to unravel that do? political yeah i don't know what to do about come it. to cco we will teach you how to do yeah. it um i it, think it, just it, spread love love every day yes that that that's the that's the goal that's the the leading value but when it gets onto the nitty-gritty of doing it it can be so difficult i i experience it in, in my own work i will encounter people who oppose me who think the worst of me and how having to to navigate the situations is just so um difficult but it's it's incredibly rewarding and um but you know you know, how, you're asking like, well, how do you do that? I, well, I would suggest CCL. There's also another organization called Braver Angels, which we actually um, partner with. Braver Angels is a phenomenal organization. They are all about depolarizing America. That's their, um, their catchphrase. And what they do is they actually get Republicans and Democrats in a room. And they've, in what you mentioned at the beginning of this um, uh, discussion was listening. You'll, and if it's, in the in the uh, pre-COVID area, they would have uh, they'd alternate. They'd have like Republicans in the middle of circle in a room, but Democrats on the outside, or vice versa. And the folks on the outside would have to listen to those sitting on the inside, and, and you just have to listen and get to understand them. Um, but that's where um, some of us might, you know, you know, who are interested in, in kind of combating this this problem of American polarization and partisanship. That might be a good place to start. Um, but if you're in the climate space specifically and, and you're you worried about this problem, I, I strongly recommend CCL. We take it very seriously. Um, it's yeah. not easy. Um, when people come to CCL and they take this, um, you know, this, this mission of depolarizing climate, um, it's very challenging. Personally, um, it, it, it's, it goes up and down. Um, but that's where, that's where you will learn how to take the right steps um, in combating this problem you, you are getting at. I'm a hundred percent going to come to a meeting. No doubt. There's nothing but positive things to be learned, but um, just uh, to transition a little bit here, I'm, I'm curious cause you're in my kind of like age demographic. What, I mean, I don't know if that's related, but what, what are your thoughts on like the American diet, what we're consuming every day? I know we've talked a lot about top down, not necessarily individual changes, but the fact of the matter is like the agriculture industry and the meat industry are such large contributors to this, this um, climate change issue. I, I'm curious what your uh, just personal thoughts, just because I'm interested to hear your opinion as far as like meat consumption or factory farms or even just like large scale commercial agriculture versus like local farms and stuff. You know, one of the one skill that I'm actually proud of is, and I don't mean this immodestly, it's admitting when I don't know much about a topic. And I will say this Good is response. one of the topics, but what <laughs> I, I will say, I personally, I actually am a vegetarian. Okay. Um, uh, for both How long? Veg- uh, since I was maybe 10, 11. Yeah, it's a long time, um, longer than so me. It, so it's been some time. So you're, so you're vegetarian. Well, yeah, I, I'm just plant-based. Yeah. But that, that yeah. it was like a, like w- one day, like eating, like, I think my last meal of meat was actually like veal, like baby cow. And then it was like, bang, like never meat. I haven't had meat since then, but cutting it off cold. Well, I, 
so things like I'm taught things. And then I said this in the last podcast, they, they, they or I didn't even say it on the podcast. It, they lay dormant in my mind. And then something just like clicks like this week, the same thing happened with my business. Like that's just the way I am. I get information. Same thing with all my college classes. I would take a class at CU. I'd be like, I didn't learn anything. Fuck school. And then like in the summer, I'd be like, wow, I, I know a lot about business all of a sudden. And it's just like, that's just the way I am. So that's what, that's what happened with, with hmm. veganism for me as well. Really? I, yeah. I used to be a vegan. Then I went to vegetarianism. I guess I'm just a week one. Um, no, no, but it's, it's, it's a personal <laughs> choice. I'm just curious yeah. your thoughts as far as this, this, the solution, like people are very apprehensive about their food. Like people love their food. Like how can, cause, but we need, I, I'm not going to say we need to, I know we need to stop using fossil fuels, but I'm not going to tell every, cause I mean, I would like to say like, don't, don't eat meat anymore, but I'm, a, I'm trying to be a realist here. Like people are so protective of that. They'll, they'll twist any argument to make sure they can still have at least some, some meat. So I don't know. I was just curious your thoughts. Cause you're so involved in the climate community. Well, I mean, I, I think I think your characterization of the problem seems pretty on point. People don't like to give up things which they like in mm. their daily lives, which is um, one benefit of CCO. We're not um, going to be getting after people for eating a hamburger or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, I like I said, I don't know much about it, but um, given my limited knowledge, you know, um, um, it, it is an important part of the equation. Um, but yeah, my, my knowledge is, is quite limited there. I can talk about carbon pricing and policy subsidies, regulations, happy to do that. Um, I will leave that, that other topic to the experts cause I won't be able to help many people. No worries. <laughs> and, and that's what we have you for. And I really appreciate you coming on. It's, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Just the, the last thing I'd like to just touch on is, um, how should individuals respond with a, another four years of the Trump administration who's been objectively bad for climate, uh, climate regulation? Curious, how, how would one respond were Trump to become elected once again for four more years? First, please come to CCL. Um, Good answer. I, well, well, really, so, so strategically speaking, um, with another four years of uh, a Trump um, administration, in, in that scenario, the uh, bipartisanship uh -oh. is going to be even more important. Um, but I think people, okay, did you, okay, I was saying in, in Trump administration, bipartisanship will be even more important. I think people will feel this very natural urge for, for those who are opposed to Donald Trump um, to want to go very far to the left they're going to be very upset um and and what what i would encourage people is you know for the sake of strategy we, we need to get something done I, I do not think in a trump a trump administration we're going to see any major um uh steps in the right direction for climate change um but it is still a key time for us to be building relationships with um our republican congressmen and women um and, you know, we, we feel this tension in CCL. I think, you know, majority of our volunteers are progressive. Um, it's a left-leaning organization. And we feel this, this, this tension and pressure to keep ourselves, you know, in the center and nonpartisan. 
And uh, we, 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 we feel that pressure and we take very seriously, you know, putting our stake in the ground saying, this is who we are. We are in, in, in the middle and we are going to make sure we're bringing Republicans and Democrats on board in a Trump administration um, or so the Republican Senate. That is absolutely essential. If you do not build that bipartisan support, I'm sorry, but you're not going to move anywhere. Um, and if we have a Biden administration, um, let's talk about that scenario also. Sure. You know, um, we, you know, Say we have, say the Senate flips and say Biden wins. Democrats now have a window of opportunity to cram through um, an, an all dem- likely all Democrat um, piece of legislation. Strange. That is a very uh, short term uh, solution. Um, we have seen with things like the Affordable Care Act and then things like the Clean Power Plan, things which do not have bipartisan support and are very controversial, do not last. We cannot have, we cannot cram something through only for the next administration, which will um, likely be more conservative. So we go back and forth, we'll eventually so chip smart. away at the, 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 um, the integrity of that bill. Um, so I think, and I think, in both scenarios, I think a lot of us are going to have to remind ourselves uh, to keep our sights, our, our eyes, our, um, you know, on the, our, long, our prior, game. On, on the long game and on by, which is bipartisanship. Um, that makes but, a lot of sense. But I also think in a Trump administration, just one more comment, I, Republicans right now, and I think this will remain in the Trump presidency, feel pressure on the climate issue. They know they very should. well they should. And a um, lot. Not just for the sake of. I'll the go issue. there myself and they talk should, to them. <laughs> they should good, good build relationships with Republicans, but they, they should not only for the sake of the issue, but also for political reasons. They know very well young conservatives care about this, and we're and you know we're getting much louder as time goes on. So even in a Trump administration, they're going to be uh, thinking about this issue, and the people who'll be talking to as Republicans will be folks like CCL um, and with Democrats as well. Um, so that's um, my that that thank you that was that was enlightening Kelsey I appreciate it. What do we say to those who throw their arms up, scream into a pillow, and are frustrated and are also focused on the climate? How do we how do we uh, keep the spirits up and keep the fight going uh, in the event of a Trump presidency? Well, the first thing is I, I mean I run into this all the time. Um, it's it's crucial to to. Uh, convey understanding for people who who are frustrated, um, make people's feelings seem legit, and and, and I imagine they are obviously. Um, but again, what I, I would say, and this is, I was talking to another peer in CCL about this, is how do we actually keep our, our volunteers' spirits up? Um, and I think the the biggest thing is keeping them in CCL and showing them that we can and will have breakthroughs on the conservative and Republican side. And we're, we do it all the time. It's sometimes very slow, but I, I have seen a lot of, um, I think more progressive volunteers who are on the fence about the bipartisan cause. When, when you, you bring to them moments of success and you show them, hey, that this approach works, it, it, it gives them some energy um, to, to keep going. Um, so if you're frustrated, I, I recommend coming to CCL. Um, you're going to meet fellow other frustrated um, people on the right and left for all different kinds of reasons. Um, some people could be happy with the outcome of the election, but they could be upset that people are so upset on the left. You never know. But people are all frustrated. And I, I encourage people to come and, and we will provide you a home and, um, and we'll help you be the best volunteer that you can actually be. 
Well, shout outs to shout outs. Shout it out, y'all. <laughs> CCL, uh, how can people get involved with the organization? Go on the website, I suppose. Easy yeah, to you can, yeah, citizensclimatelobby.org. If you are in Boulder, we have monthly chapter meetings that are held virtually. Um, you can just Google Boulder chapter and then you can pretty easily find our information. Um, you can also go to the Energy Innovation um, Act.org for information on the bill. Um, but yeah, it should be it should be pretty easy just to do a little research. Just put Boulder chapter. Um, you should find us. Excellent. And I will be there long overdue. Well, you should. we'd love to have you. 100%. Kelsey is honestly been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come and enlighten us and show so a little positivity in the political sphere, because I think oh. we really need that. Very optimistic for your future. Let me know when you're running for office. I'd be happy to do some supporting <laughs> for you. Um, otherwise, guys. yeah, no. It's my pleasure. There uh, <laughs> we go. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. Again, this was changing the climate and everybody Great. take care.